You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. Amen, amen. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to two places. Exodus chapter 16, where we find ourselves in our series, God Redeems, but also Hebrews chapter 4. Now, last week, we did a little mashup, if you remember, of Exodus 16 with John 6, Jesus' words, speaking about and giving commentary of this text, this familiar story in Scripture, which is referenced over and over and over again. Exodus 16, it's like the book of Exodus has so many solid, amazing, incredible stories, stories that the psalmist, the, the prophets, Jesus, like all refer back to. And this is one of those chapters where God provided for his people full of mercy and love, he just pours out grace and brings bread from heaven to his people. It's called manna. They didn't know really what it was. They were mystified. It was incredible. And God did this act because he wanted to provide for their need. And this is a great picture for us of how God provides for our needs. And our course, our biggest needs is forgiveness of sin, is salvation. And bread came from heaven. God sent his son from heaven to earth to die for our sins, to live a life we couldn't live and give us and bring us salvation. True bread from heaven. And Jesus declares to be this true bread. And so we get this beautiful and incredible sort of lens as we study the book of Exodus through the gospel through the whole text and whole counsel of the Word of God. In fact, John, uh, he records Jesus saying this as we sort of looked at John 6. John 6, 38 says, For I have come to you from heaven, this is Jesus speaking, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. God the Father displayed his love for you and for me by sending true bread from heaven, Jesus Christ, to not do his will, but to redeem to seek and save the lost, to satisfy us and give us this goodness of salvation. And our salvation is supernatural. We looked at that. It is sufficient. We don't have to try harder or do better. Christ in His full atonement is a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And He is special. He is sacred. And He is good. He is the gospel, the good news that we can have a relationship with God. And so that was one lesson. But we're going to learn another lesson from the same chapter as we continue to look in this wilderness season, how God tests his people to build their faith and encourage them. Now, in Exodus 16, we see the command of the Sabbath for the very first time in Scripture. And it teaches us here more of the Father's wonderful love and heart for his people. And so what I want to do in this message I'm calling a Sabbath rest is look at two passages. I don't have them on the screen. You're going to need a Bible. But Exodus chapter 16, we read the entire chapter last week, but I want to just read verses 21 through 30 and then tie it to Hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 through 13. We'll do that. We'll study as always. We'll take our time. We'll pray and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to teach us. Exodus chapter 13, or 16 verses 21 through 30. It says this, morning by morning, they, speaking of the people of Israel, gathered it, the manna, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. Remember, these are like gallons or liters. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. 
Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to keep till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there was no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather, but on the seventh, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. And so verse 27 says, On the seventh day some of the people, well, they still went out to gather, but they found none, just as the Lord proclaimed. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, in the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let, not, let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Let's get a little New Testament here. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is a great book. It gives a lot of insight about the Old Testament, through the lens of the gospel, through Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verses, uh, well, chapter 3 even deals with Moses, how Jesus is a greater Moses, how God has rest for his people. Uh, We're only going to look at these verses tonight, but it's a solid study this week if you want to dig deeper, Hebrews 3 and 4. We'll read verses 9 and 13 and try to mash it and teach it together uh, just to give us insight in what the Lord has for us tonight. Verses 9 through 13. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Speaking of that creation story. Now let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit and of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let's pray together and let's ask the Spirit of God to minister to us. God, we thank you so much that you are a great teacher. We thank you, God, that we can look to you, that you can speak through people like me, I pray, God, as uh, I just try to communicate the truths that you've given me, Lord, that it would be clear, it would be insightful, it would be helpful, that you would be magnified and glorified. I thank you, God, for everyone here, bringing them here, their faith growing, their hunger for the word, to worship you, to meet with you. And we know that as we sang, you were here in our midst. And so, God, this is a house of prayer, one where we can come and meet with you. Meet with us, God. Meet with us through your word. Let us know the power of your word, the worship of your word, Lord, as we worship you through the study of your word, God. We give you our mind, our strength, our soul, our emotion, everything that we have, even our pain, our burdens, we can give to you because you care for us and you're sufficient, you're powerful enough to take all of this on. So everyone coming together, we say amen, we agree, we bless you, and we pray, Jesus, that you would continue to do a great work here in our midst, in our fellowship, and in our lives. Lord, be glorified. May we proclaim you well when we continue to be on mission. And may you edify us and equip us tonight as we look to your word, thinking about the Sabbath rest. We love you, Jesus. We bless you. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's do some study work and let's get to it. You know, sometimes you don't really know what you have until it's gone. I know it's a song, right? But it's sort of true. Significantly and especially maybe when you lose a loved one, or a relationship, or your health. 
Like you're never so grateful when you mess up and then like you can't walk anymore or you throw out your back. That's happened to me before and it's just the worst. Or even just even in the little things. I remember when we first moved to Florida, the culture was so different. I was like, where is the good coffee, people? Dunkin' Donuts is not good coffee. I'm sorry to offend half of you because I know that you think that is, but in your little minds, you don't understand the culture. I didn't know how good I had it growing up in Seattle, getting a culture literally everywhere you want to go. I did not know what I had until it was gone. Have you ever experienced that? Do you understand that? In the heavy things, in the big things, we could oftentimes as humans forget how special something is because it's mundane, because it's routine. Even the special works of God in His grace, because it's faithful, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in our lives, and yet oftentimes, because it's so faithful, because it's so routine, familiar, the miracles of God and the grace of God that sustains us, we could even take for granted. And God wants us and all of his people to remember his wonderful working power in our lives. And so in verse 21 and 22, we see God sort of give us the context of this thing called the Sabbath. To help his people remember his grace in a different way, a sacred way, a holy Sabbath, the Bible says. The text says, morning by morning, so it was a mundane thing they were going to do, and they would do this actually throughout their wilderness journey of all 40 years. They would just continue to go over and over and over and over again. So there would be a routine thing. Morning by morning, they gathered it, the manna, speaking of this bread from heaven, God's amazing provision for them, which they were dumbfounded by. It was a miracle, but they would take that miracle for granted because it was their normal. So in verse 22, it says, on the sixth day, they gathered it twice as much bread, two omers each. They were to gather one omer in morning by morning, but on that sixth day, they were going to do something special, commanded by the Lord to gather twice as much on the sixth day. Why? Because God wanted to give them a Sabbath rest. A Sabbath rest, a day that was holy and gave them solemn rest. Now, the word Sabbath is Shabbat in Hebrew. The most literal term of this word just means stop. But it has other implications. It also means to rest, to delight, to worship. And I found that this is a good framework for what a Sabbath day is. You stop. You rest. You delight, and you worship. This is all from that Hebrew word. Now, Pastor Pete Scazzaro, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leader, has a wonderful chapter on the Sabbath for leaders, for doers, people that do all this different stuff. And he says, um, gives us a great definition that I've embraced personally for my Sabbath. He says, Sabbath is a 24-hour period or block of time in which we stop work. We enjoy rest. We practice delight and contemplate God. Again, that Shabbat word, stop, rest, delight. He says contemplate. You could say worship. Sabbath tells us to stop work and delight in God's grace. To help us practice delight and not take for advantage the routine, the mundane. In the Sabbath, God gives us time. Time to remember Him. And He makes it special for us to rest our bodies and our spirits. And God calls this day holy, which we know holy means sacred, special, or set apart. 
In fact, this is the first time in scriptures or in the Bible these two words are even mentioned, and they're mentioned about each other. First time this ever the Bible mentions holy or Sabbath is in Exodus chapter 16. I love what Wentz Witt said. He said the first time the Bible ever declared uh, holy was not an object. The first thing the Bible ever declared holy was not an object or a place, like even a temple, but it was a time, a 24-hour period called Sabbath. God made that seventh day, it says, holy, sacred, special. He wanted his people to stop and to spend time with him, to enjoy him, his presence, not just the mundane morning-by-morning routine. Now, Lynn, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Bob, I don't know, but she has this good book, Sabbath-Keeping, Finding Freedom in the Rhythms of Rest, And she said the purpose of Sabbath is to clear away the distractions of our lives so we can rest in God and experience God's grace in a new way. Haven't you ever found that when you're in a routine and you do something different, it shakes things up. It gives you some perspective. And God right now is directing them to spend time with him. And so he provides double portion And he gives this thing called a Sabbath because he knows we would lose sight. We need rest for our bodies, for our soul, for our spirit to contemplate, to be with God. God knows that spending time with him is the best thing for our soul. It's good for us to not act like we are God, but to rest in who he is. And throughout scripture, we're encouraged to Sabbath in God. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 9 says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, this is speaking about you and I, people that believe in the gospel, new covenant. We are to spend time with Jesus, delight in Him, His grace, on a regular routine, and that's where we find our rest for our souls. But God yet has given us rhythms so that we can actually know who he is. He wants us not to be in a rut. Now, Ruth Barton, in her book, Invitation to Retreat, The Gift and Necessary Time Away with God, she says, practicing Sabbath is life uh, is like getting a weekly perspective adjustment. Practicing the Sabbath is like every seven days you get this weekly perspective adjustment. When I stop and I reflect and I pray, and I spend time with God, I'm reminded of what's most important. God is faithful morning by morning. His mercy is new every day. But aren't there times in your life where you need to retreat and go with him and actually acknowledge his presence? He doesn't leave you or forsake you, but oftentimes when we get in the mundane, when we get in a rhythm of our weekly schedule, we get so caught up that we can lose sight of something so special that what we have. God's amazing grace in our lives. And he wanted to give his people, and I believe he wants to give you and I perspective today with time to make space for him, to rest in him. Now this didn't mean they weren't just to uh, worship God one day a week. They were God's people set 
before him, he was doing a miracle every single day. The seventh day was a different miracle because the bread didn't stink or rot. God wanted them to worship every day, but he gave the Sabbath so that they would acknowledge the worship and acknowledge the mundane and acknowledge those things. And this one day a week, he wanted to affect their entire work week, their daily lives. Now, in his book, Sabbath as Resistance, and if you can't tell, I've read a lot of books about this subject, huh? As I prepared for the sabbatical a few years ago, it was a time of preparation, of understanding, and understanding the rhythms and what God has, not only for a Sabbath, but a, a sabbatical. This guy, Walter uh, Brigham, he says, Sabbath is taking time, time to be holy, time to be human. Oftentimes, we get so caught up in the spiritual and the emotional and forget how human we are. God is recognizing in this moment that they are human, that they are weak, they have bodies, they need rest. It's not just go, 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 do, 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 do. No, he wants to spend time with them so he can refresh their bodies, refresh their minds, refresh their souls, and it would impact the way that they do. He goes on in this book and says, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. Have you ever affected, have that affected you? Where God can speak something so impactful, so important, so incredible in your life that it affects the rest of your life. God wants to give this rhythm or gift intentionally and invite you to meet with him regularly. That there would be a holy time for you to meet with God. Not based off your efforts and all that you have to do, but a solemn Sabbath rest. Every seventh day, found time with God. You know, for me, my seventh day is not on Sunday. Right now, I'm working, just FYI. Put a lot of energy, thought, effort into picking out songs, praying, studying, all that different stuff, uh, meeting with people. It's a work day for me. I love it. It's the best job ever. But my seventh day is a Monday. Most of you guys know, because if you call me on Monday, I'm not calling you back. I usually have my phone off. I don't answer it. I don't work. I, I stop work. I try to sleep in. I try to rest. I try to delight in the grace that God's given me, whether it be my family, a nice meal, whatever it may be. And I take time to worship God, to listen to more uh, worship music, to linger in the scriptures, to read a whole book on, on my Sabbath, just to worship God in different ways. Wayne Cargero, um, he wrote a book called Leading on Empty. He said that Sabbath and sabbaticals are biblically designed to increase your fruitfulness and deepen your faith along the way. If you do this thing right, the Sabbath, and seek God and stop in the, the routine and do something special with the Lord, He honors that and gives you delight. It changes the way that you get energy. And we're going to see that through the people of God, the Israelites, how important this was and how it applies to us today. And that's the context. That's a little biblical history a lot of quotes. But look at the first point in verse 23 to 24. God commands them to rest. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. What he's doing to these people is commanding them. Now this seems so weird. It's, it, it's like your boss telling you, stop working. Take a day off. Everyone, if you're like getting a paid vacation, you're like, boom, I'll take it. Let's do this. But not so with these people. 
And sometimes not so with you. You've been trained, you've been brought up in a world to do better, do more, try harder, keep going, hurry, hustle, busy. It can actually be an addiction. And God actually says, I command you to stop working, to relax. It's not all about you. The world doesn't revolve around you. You can stop and the world will keep on going because you are not the center of the universe. I am. In verse 23, he says, this is what the Lord has commanded. Not suggested, commanded to these people. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Now, what I want to propose to you tonight is that God commanded them to rest because he wanted them to walk in their new identity. He wanted them to know it wasn't about them trying harder and doing more. They were a free people now. They were sons, not slaves. They were sons, not slaves anymore. You see, for the last 400 years, this nation, the Israelites, were slaves. We started off the book with this. They weren't at a place where they could even rest. They were constantly working. That's what their culture was. Exodus 1, verses 13 through 14 says, The Egyptians ruthlessly made them, the people of Israel, to work as slaves. That was their culture. That was their bent. Exodus chapter 2, it tells us that that God saw their pain and their grumbling and their complaints and, and he remembered his covenant and he was going to do something. And we've been studying how God actually has freed these people. He called this leader Moses and he performed great works through the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea to free his people. Exodus chapter 15, the chapter before they're praising God for this work, this miracle. But this slavery, identity, and culture had been ingrained in them forever, for a long time. For many generations, 400 years, do, work, produce, slavery. They were slaves. Their worth was based off of performance. They didn't have autonomy or freedom to do things. They did what their master told them. But being God's people would be different. They would have autonomy. They would have choice. They would be sons and they would be daughters. He didn't want their identity to be based off of what they could do or how they could perform, but it was based off his covenant, the Bible says, off of him, off of his love. And he was the one that had freed them, that had made him his people, not based off their efforts or performance, We just looked at this last passage last week. They were complainers. They were sinners. They were imperfect people. But God, in his grace, loved them. And so he wanted to give these people rest, for them to have a new identity, to take on a new culture, to take a Sabbath rest unto the Lord and to know him and his goodness, to enjoy his grace, to enjoy his presence, to know that he could sustain them, not based off of their work, but based off of his work, his goodness. And they could trust God and relax and not be God. Now, verse 24 tells us they were blessed by God as they obeyed his word and practiced the Sabbath. It says, so they laid it aside till the morning as Moses had commanded them. And the bread or the manna did not stink and there were no worms. God provided for them as they obeyed. This commandment of the Sabbath, I believe, still helps people like you and me with our identity. To this day, 
to practice our identity as God's children, that he has freed us from the slavery of sin and works mentality, performance-based, to be approved by God. You have to do something and try harder. God says, no, Sabbath, stop. I will be your rest. You see, we live in a world just like Egypt, and the Bible actually coordinates and often refers to the world that we live in as a principle or a picture of Egypt, where if we produce, if we work, then we're valued. That a boy, you work for it. And we actually in America do it great, performance-based. We get celebrated if we grind, have a side hustle, and work 100 hours. It's actually applauded to push our bodies to the max, to be our own God, to produce. But yet that enslaves our soul. And we get so lost up in the mundane, we forget about God. It's ingrained in us so much that every world religion that you study, it's a performance-based religion where you do better, try harder to achieve greatness to get to God. But what did we study last week in John 6? Jesus came from heaven to us. We don't ascend and go to him because we're good, because of God's grace. And he calls us sons and daughters. He comes to us and gives us his glory found in Jesus. But this is why we need the gospel continually repeated to us, continually reminding ourselves that we were born far from God, caught in our sin, and will never be good enough. We all fall short of the glory of God. There is no work, no good act that can save us, that can cause us to be perfect before God. For the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God in His perfect love, in His proactive love, sent His Son to save us, to redeem us, to restore us by His grace. And we know these verses, but we lose sight when we don't take time to ponder and understand this. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We're no longer slaves. In Christ, we are no longer slaves. We are sons with an inheritance in Christ. But we, just like the Israelites, will be tempted to continue to work, to continue to perform, to continue in the world culture that we have been snatched from, and pulled to, and God wants us to walk in grace, to learn from him and to walk in his ways. And this is why Hebrews chapter 4 is so important. In verse 10 and 11, it says this, For whoever has entered God's rest, because it said God's rest is for us, you and I, Christians, so now whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So let us therefore strive. Strive to enter rest. It takes work to enter rest. Did you notice on the sixth day they had to do double the amount of work? They had to prepare themselves. The Bible says now as Christians we have to strive to enter rest so that no one may befall by the same sort of disobedience. God wants us as Christians to strive to enter rest. What does that mean? To trust God to say that he is in control, that we are not good enough, and we will be tempted to fall back into the world system or a mindset of slavery to not rest in his grace, to try to earn his love. And he wants to give us a solemn rest, 
And he commands us how to get that rest in his son Jesus. You see, the way that God renews and transforms us is he calls us to return to him and to rest in him. Now, the prophet would come along and tell us this. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, Isaiah would say, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. Now, this is totally different because most people think if you try harder, do better, if you perform, if you go to service, if you give enough, if you do all these good works, then you're going to be saved. But it's in repenting or returning and finding rest in what God has done that brings renewal in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But just like the Israelites, we could be tempted because guess what it says? But you were unwilling. We still fail. We get a beautiful invitation and oftentimes we don't rest in the finished work of Christ. God invites us to rest in Him, to trust in Him and His Son for true rest But we have to strive and make effort to go to Jesus for that rest. And Jesus is more than happy to take on our burdens and any effort. You know, he said in John chapter 6, this is the work of God. What is the work of God? What effort, what performance can you do? How do you find rest for your soul? Is it, should I help this person? Should I serve? Should I commit myself? Should I be this? Should I do that? Should I? It's none of it. It's belief. It's faith. It's rest in Him. He says, oh, you want to know what the work of God is? This is the work of God. That you believe in Him whom He sent. And that's where we strive. That's where we work. That's where we find our true Sabbath rest. As God has said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We have to reorient our minds over and over and over again, saying, Jesus, you are my true rest. I'm going to commit my life to you. I'm going to trust in everything you have. I'm going to find rest in you, not my rest and identity of what I do and how I do it. God commands the people to Sabbath for rest, and he commands us to believe in Jesus for rest as well. Now, verse 25 and 27, we see that it's not just a commandment, but it's also a gift. Remember, anytime God gives us a commandment, it's for our good when we were blessed and we will play. But God gives us the Sabbath as a gift. He commanded the people to practice the Sabbath for blessing. But the choice was theirs to make. And they literally had a choice. Remember, they were slaves. They didn't have any choice. Now God's giving them a choice. In verse 25, it says that there was, this was a gift to receive, for it was a Sabbath to the Lord. The Sabbath was a very practical way to worship and trust God and His Word of what God had said. In verse 26, six days they were to go get manna, gather it, but on the seventh day there wouldn't be any. That's what He said. They had a choice to obey or disobey. And here's the crazy thing. Some still went out to work. That's what it says. They were dumbfounded. Where's the bread? What happened? I don't know. Dude, you didn't obey God. He's giving you a gift so you could trust God because they had never had the option to trust God. They were slaves. They were doing their thing. They were working, working, working. God said, I'm going to give you something special so you could respond. Here is a gift. But on the seventh day, verse 27 says, some of them, of the people, went out to gather, but they found none. 
They found no manna. Or another way to put it, they found no provision. When God tells us that Jesus is the only way and we go to him to find our rest, if you go out and find another means of satisfaction, you will find none. There will be no manna for you. There will be no rest for you. God has commanded the way and he's given us a gift to decide and choose, will we go to that Sabbath rest now? Some didn't practice the Sabbath and enjoy the gift that God offered them, rest. They wanted to still work, not trust God. And it was a choice to receive God's word or not. And you know, when we think even about this day, I think that is a, a beautiful gift from God, the Sabbath. I believe the Sabbath is still a beautiful gift for God, from God to us today and is a great pattern of rest and a gift. You see, when it comes to the Sabbath and the debate in the church world, it's like, should we practice the seventh day this Sabbath? Right? We're free under Christ, and we have a law-based performance thing when it comes to the gifts of God. This was a gift to worship. God gives us, as Christians, gifts to worship. Too many people say, should we practice the Sabbath, rather than having the approach of, we get to practice the Sabbath. God wants to spend time with us. He gives us gifts and grace. He's made things holy. This is incredible. Now, yes, this is a commandment, and this text is commanding the Israelites in this text, but did you also know that the Sabbath commandment is also in the Ten Commandments? And I know that none of you would argue with me that that murder we should be doing that today because we're free in Christ. The Bible says thou shalt not murder. That's part of the commandments. Don't lie, have an adultery. These are all good things. We're blessed. There's a common wisdom in instruction that God knows best, and he gives us these things to practice. And we're going to look at that in Exodus 20 as we look at all ten commandments and how God gives us those as a moral direction and compass for our good. But there is a purpose in the law and if you find your purpose in the law to get rest, you'll actually lose sight of what God gave you as a gift to point you to something. Now, Exodus 20, verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Yes, the Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments, but it's also in the creation story as a gift before the law was given and before even sin entered our world. Hebrews 4.10 says that we could enter this rest just like God entered rest now. This was before the fall. We see that he gave us a pattern to enjoy his gifts and his grace. Now, I don't know if you know this. If you read, want to read one book before, it's Genesis. It's the start of humanity. It's a pretty incredible act and encounter. And Moses actually penned this. And he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything that you see, know, and do right now, he made everything in seven days. But on the seventh day, he did something different, unique, sacred, or special. He rested. This is a part of the creation story that God, our God, rested. We are made in the image of God, and he does things for us to pattern after him. Part of the creation story is rest, because rest renews. God does work, and he wants us to know grace. 
So God wants us to walk in his ways. So he stopped his work in the creation story. He made everything in six days. And on the seventh day, it says, he delighted in his creation. And you know, the peak of his creation was you and I. He made the skies and it was good. He made the waters, it was good. The land animals, the sea animals, they were all good. But he made man and woman and it was really good. Y'all are real good. You're made in the image of God. The Bible says that. That was on the sixth day. That's not our week, is it? There's seven days to a week. The first day of man, people like you and I, our existence, God took time to not work, to spend with us. The very first day Adam had, first full evening, first full night, was with God. What a beautiful pattern that we would find grace, spend time with God, and out of that, we would work six days. Because when we practice Sabbath and spend time with God, it changes us how we actually even work. We're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But did you know in verse 10, it says we're actually appointed to do good works? But the orientation has changed now because we've experienced grace. When we enjoy God's presence, when we know Him and we stop and enjoy the grace of God, being fully human and just delighting in Him, it affects our whole week. It's a beautiful pattern to see how much God values relationship, how He values grace, time with Him, that He would even rest in the creation story and say, no, this is a part of the good work of God, grace, time, worship. And we need to strive for that because the enemy of our soul We try to be God and do stuff and try and perform. And so God will approve us and God just says, stop it. You could be yourself. You know, Adam and Eve, they were naked before the Lord. He had true intimacy with them and they were still loved by God. You can have true intimacy with God and still be loved by God because he loves us unconditionally. The Sabbath is a gift for us to enjoy his blessings, to spend time with him. The Bible says, therefore, let us strive to enter rest. It was a Sabbath day to the Lord where they stopped. They entered rest. They delighted in God's grace. They took time to worship him. What a gift. You know, another book, Rabbi Abram Joshua Herschel. It's a mouthful, but it's a real name. He calls the Sabbath a delight. A delight to the soul and a delight to the body. Or maybe a more familiar author that we may know, J. Oswald Sanders, in his great book, Intimacy with God, says this, Intimacy with God is a fragile thing that must be carefully guarded. God knows this about you and I, that we forget the most important things, the necessity things, that you really don't know what you have until it's gone. So he says, Sabbath, in your rhythm, take time with me. I wrote this down about the Sabbath. It is a restful rule that God has given us to stop work and delight in his grace. It is a beautiful invitation to stop work and receive his grace. A way to practically practice our faith in trusting that God is sovereign and we are not. That we can worship him by resting in him. The Sabbath is not a day off. 
but a day of worship. Lastly, we see God reminds them that he desires worship. In verse 28 through 30, the Lord said to Moses, Well, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and law? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. God gave this opportunity, a gift, a commandment, so that they could trust Him, so they could worship Him, so they could express their love to Him. And God acknowledges that this type of worship was hard for them to do. It's a test of their faith. God will give you tests, and part of those tests is will you abide in Him to bear fruit? Exodus 16.4, in that chapter, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And the Sabbath was a practical test of faith for the people to obey or not. And God shall give us many opportunities in this life today to still trust Him and to worship Him. Now listen, the Sabbath may not be required. And there are many scholars and believe people that believe Christians practice Sabbath, Christians not. I don't know. You could pray about it. You could practice it. I personally believe it's something that's wise and a gift from God, and I just enjoy my Sabbath immensely. I really do. It's like a party every week. I meet with Jesus. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's the best week of my life. The best time of my life over here. If you don't want that, Hey, no big deal. You do your thing. You interpret, all right? I'm just telling you, I'm going to go against the, not go against the grain of creation. I'm going to stop. I'm not God. I'm going to trust God to be God, and I have limits and boundaries, and I need to rest and just worship God for myself. As I've done that, I've bared a lot of fruit. But let me ask you this question. What has the Holy Spirit said to you to do? Okay, you don't think about the Sabbath or what? What has the Holy Spirit said for us to do? How are you worshiping Him? How is He giving you something to do? What test or maybe an opportunity to trust God has He given you from His Word? Because remember, He spoke this, and they had to trust Him or not trust Him. And God has spoken and given us a lot of other instruction that He tests us with. And we now have an opportunity to worship Him as we respond. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Hebrews, in context of entering rest, Sabbath. It's a very familiar verse. People don't actually understand the context within it. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God has spoken. Just as he spoke to the Israelites and gave them a test, he has spoken in his word and he desires us to, for, him to, for us to follow him and his ways. And this verse is saying, listen, you want to enter rest, you, want, you need to know how powerful God's word is. If you're really going to have true rest, true freedom, find liberty for your soul and not the identity of the world, you're going to have to know that God's word is living and active. It is sharper than two-edged sword. It pierces the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and no one can hide from him. What he says glows. It's your opportunity. Will you obey or will you not? 
What has the Holy Spirit revealed to you in his word through your conscience that you will be tested to obey? The choice is yours. He desires it. He wants, you to, he wants to bless you, but he has given you gifts for you can receive or deny. Verse 30 shows us the power of God's word in this text with people that do trust his word and his good nature. It says the people that did take that day off, they entered rest. They were blessed. You know, when you apply God's word to your life, you will enter true rest and blessing. As you follow God and worship him, you'll enter a rest. Because you see, the Sabbath isn't just about a specific day, but it's about a specific person, God himself. And we know this through the lens of the gospel and what Colossians tells us. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, it says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These things are the shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. They're all pointing so that you would go and trust God and receive the gift that he's given He has commanded us to do the work of God. The only blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the only command that will give us into condemnation to the wrath of God. For Jesus is the substance of our salvation where we find true rest. And as we enter into him, we look at a festival, we look at the Sabbath, we look at food and drink, all these things in the New Testament. These are shadows of things to come and the substance is Christ. So now as we go to Jesus, we can have true rest for our souls. And the Sabbath should point us to the most important thing, not a practice, but a person, the living word. And did you know Jesus invites us as the living word to trust in his gospel and good news? We don't have to work harder, try harder for our salvation. We just need to strive to receive the free gift that he gives and respond to his great love. You see, God commands us to go to Jesus for our salvation, for there is no other name by which man can be saved, the Bible says. But this salvation isn't by our own works. It's by receiving the grace of God, a gift of God, because God wants us to worship him. So he gave us the opportunity to receive Jesus or not for rest for our souls. And Jesus, when he came on the scene, his teaching was so amazing, so incredible. In Matthew chapter 11, he gives us the invitation And puts it all together and says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you, if you receive that gift, follow him and enjoy his grace, you will find rest for your souls. Just as the Israelites found rest for their souls, their bodies, their substance, their identity, because of God's command, and he had this Sabbath, we too find rest for our souls, substance, salvation, as God commands us to go to our true Sabbath rest, Jesus. It's a beautiful picture. It's deep, it's intellectual, it's only something that God can do, and it's referenced over and over and over in in Scripture so that we would know the substance is Christ. So may we go to God, and may we enjoy him. May we delight 
Lord, we stop our own efforts and our own works and just delight in the work that God did. Contemplating Him, delighting in His grace, rejoicing and worshiping Him. And that's what He tells us to do when we come together as His people. To remember what He has done, not what we have done. To take communion and to respond to the gospel and to praise His name. And so we're going to do that. We're going to take time to meditate, to ponder, to say, God, you are faithful, you are good, and take communion together. We'll sing two songs, and as we do, we have the elements in the aisles. And worship team, if you want to come on up, we'll pray, we'll respond. And let's ask Jesus to meet our weary souls. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. We pray, Lord, as we think about the Sabbath rest and what it means and how you sustain and how you do the work that we need, Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to work. Continue to help us to strive to trust you. Not in our own efforts, not in our own flesh, not in our old identity, but our new identity. We need sanctification. It's from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And so your word tells us, Lord, who all believed in your name became the, the, uh, the right to become a child of God. May we believe in your name. May we find rest in your name. May we sing about your goodness, your faithfulness, your salvation. And may we receive the free gift of salvation, knowing, Lord, that you not only died, but you rose again. You're coming back again. You're coming, Lord, with reward. You're coming, Lord, to renew. You're coming, Lord, for your, with goodness and with grace. And right now in the, this moment, we need faith to believe all that you said. Help us to walk in newness of life, trusting you, God. We love you. We thank you that we can ponder these truths. And we ask, God, as we just finish singing and praying and thinking through these implications, Lord, that you would continue to speak and minister to us. We bless your holy name. We thank you for this study. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you how you're growing in these people's faith. How, Lord, you keep on calling them back. How you keep on giving an invitation. May we continue to be people that repent over and over again, turning to you. For there is great times of refreshing as we repent and turn to you, Lord. So be glorified as we do that now. We turn to you, God, for salvation for our soul. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.